If you would turn to um, Psalm 90, Psalm 90. Part of our consideration this morning is consider the value of time, and certainly as we start a new year, it's a, a, a time when we are encouraged to consider the value of time. Um, there's a lot in the Word of God, really, when you go looking for it, uh, about the subject of time. And one verse that came to my mind was uh, Romans 5, 6. Romans 5, you need not turn there, I'll mention it. Uh, I just want to mention this at the beginning. Romans 5, 6 says, For when we were still without strength, or without power, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. In due time. In other words, uh, this is one of the passages of Scripture that tells us that God's timing is always perfect. You know, uh, I'm, go- I'm on your team. Uh, there are times when I feel that I wish the Lord would do something in different timing than he does. But God's timing is never wrong. In fact, in relationship to the sending of Jesus Christ, the verse is very clear. When we were without spiritual power and strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for us. And uh, we could do nothing in ourselves uh, to um, earn or merit eternal life. But Jesus went to the cross as we will celebrate at the table again this morning uh, in order to give his life for us at exactly the right time. And uh, when you think of time and you think of the events of history, you also need to keep in mind that God controls all history. He's never caught by surprise by anything that happens because he has an ultimate plan. And we are a part of that ultimate plan. And I like to um, do it this way because some people say, uh, how does it work out when I have choices and decisions that I make? Well, yeah, the Lord makes us, allows us rather to make choices and decisions. I like to draw a big circle. And uh, within, within that big circle, we do make choices and decisions. And let's be honest, sometimes our choices aren't the best. But God is in sovereign control over all things. And there are many verses that tell us that. And probably the clearest is Ephesians 1.11, which says that God works all things according to the uh, counsel of his will. He works all things. So uh, we thank the Lord. We look back to 2018. We say, boy, the Lord's been faithful to us. He's been so good to us. He's brought us through trials. He's brought us through needs. And certainly he will be with us as we go into the new year, 2019. He will bless us and take care of us because God's timing is always perfect. Now, Psalm 90, again, is a very, very beautiful psalm. It's a prayer of Moses, man of God. You'll notice at the top of your psalm, uh, that superscription that's written there is in many Bibles and many translations. A prayer of Moses, a man of God. And Moses was a man of God. He was a man greatly, he wasn't perfect, but he was a man greatly used of God. And uh, Moses is the one who we truly believe Uh, Most conservative uh, students of the scriptures believe that Moses wrote this psalm and the superscription above it testifies that he did write it. And uh, the occasion for his writing this psalm was probably those 40 years of wandering the children of Israel did in the wilderness. 
And as you well know, a whole generation of the people of Israel were not able to enter into the promised land because of their unbelief and failure to believe that God would give them that promised land, the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, that land, God said, I have this for you, and you can have this land, and I want you to go and take this land by faith. And, of course, there, uh, there were those who just wouldn't believe that God would uh, allow them to have that land, and so they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Now, when you glance at this psalm, uh, you notice the uh, theme of the psalm is the title of the first 11 verses, and that would be the eternality of God and the brevity of human life on the earth. The eternality of God and the brevity of human life on the earth. Verses 1 through 11. It's going to talk about God's greatness and man's brevity and brief time here on the earth. The second section, and I'm dividing this psalm into two major sections, and we're going to end with this, is the requests of the psalmist. And, and I think these are good requests to have and to offer to the Lord as we start a new year. You'll look at these verbs uh, beginning at verse 12. Teach us. We want the Lord to continue to teach us. We'll talk about this. Satisfy us. A lot of things don't satisfy us. Jesus does. Sanctify our children. A lot of people miss seeing this is very clear in 916b. And also, make us successful or bless the work of our hands. God does want us to pray about the things that we do during the week. Uh, we who have jobs and responsibilities, establish, Lord, the work of our hands. So we will look at these as we close out this psalm together. Uh, it, it's an excellent psalm. Uh, I, I hope that you will read it again tonight before you fall asleep, uh, that you will see that God has um, been eternal and faithful to his people, to you and to me. And uh, there are requests that the psalmist makes in the light of the fact that God's eternal. He does judge sin. He dealt with the people of Israel in the middle of the psalm. But the psalmist says, I have requests and teach you requests that you should make before the Lord. God's word encourages us to reflect on the brevity of life and the length of future eternity. Uh, in fact, in a real sense, we've heard this said many times, life passes by at a shocking rate of speed. Uh, the older you get, the more you say, boy, life does go by quickly. And uh, with each passing year, it seems to pick up. The speed seems to pick up. And it's very interesting in this psalm, that the psalmist um, finds encouragement. Don't miss this now. He finds encouragement by coming to the place where he realize life is short. We only have a certain amount of years here. But eternity, oh man, when we, when we go to heaven, we will be in the presence of our God for all of eternity future. And it's hard for us to um, process the um, concept of the future eternity, on and on and on, forever and ever. But when we know Christ, we're going to be with him forever and ever, and it's going to be very awesome. So the psalmist starts out by talking about the greatness of God. And he says, God is great because he is the home of man's soul. Don't miss verse 1. Don't miss it. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. This is really interesting. <laughs> the psalmist is saying, Lord, you're our home. 
Now, uh, our home is on 1344 Applegate, and uh, we're thankful for the house that we have. You know, our furnace works good, and our air conditioning works good, and when the storms come along, our roof doesn't leak, and I'm real thankful for our house. But, um, you know, the psalmist is saying, no matter where I've been, and he had to move around with the people of Israel for 40 years, he said, God is my home, no matter where I'm at. And we'll talk about this a little bit in just a moment. Uh, Deuteronomy 33, verse 27. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. The people of Israel, in Numbers chapter 33, uh, it's stated that they stopped at 42 different places. And they camped there during those 40 years of wandering. But Moses said... Yes, that's true. We really moved around. I really moved around with God's people. But he says, God is my home. God is my dwelling place. He lived in the Lord. Uh, If you want to think of a New Testament parallel to that truth, Jesus said, abide in me and I am you. That's the concept. In other words, no matter where you are, when you travel, when you go on vacation, When you're in a different location uh, from your own home, you still function in the presence of God. He says, and look at this, look look at the terminology he uses here. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. So keep that in mind as you go into a new year. Because the Lord may want you to relocate a job or might might want you to relocate where you live. But no matter where you're at, When you have a relationship with the Lord, He is your home. It's a very, very beautiful, beautiful concept. And you step into this concept by faith. You understand it by faith. God alone furnishes the home for the souls of men. That's very, very important. In fact, the the hymn writer uh, wrote, O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Based on Psalm 90. We'll talk about that again as well. Secondly, God is great because he is the eternal one and the creator of all. You know, I realize our children, when they go to school, they're taught evolution and the world started with a big bang and uh, there was a life comes out of non-life. And you know, the, more, the older I get and the more I know the Lord, the more when I read about evolution... I hate to overuse this term, but it's baloney. Now, I realize there are people who have a lot of education, go to universities, and they really feel that's how the world began. But, you know, by faith we understand, Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 both, uh, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And our God spoke our world into existence. And it's a privilege for us to teach this to our children. It's a privilege for us to teach it in our Sunday school and in our WANA clubs. And, and the kids really do listen. Because they'll often say, oh yeah, well we were taught this. But then you go, well wh- wh- where is the authority? Is the authority in public education? Or is the authority in the written word of God? And of course you know the answer to that. Verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth... And ever you form the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. What an awesome God we have. In fact, um, 
He's talking about the eternality of God, the fact that God always existed. And if you want to stay encouraged, if you want to really stay encouraged in this coming year, um, take some time and uh, go over the attributes of God. Just keep going over what your God is really like. The one who's watching out over you. By the way, the one who is your home. You dwell in his presence. Just keep going over the attributes of God. I keep the attributes of God near me every day. And I don't say I read this every day, but I read it very often. And uh, I'll make some more of these uh, sheets for you. I have um, 30, 30 attributes of God. And uh, I'll pick the sheet up and I'll look at it again. Here we go again. God is the creator. God is all-powerful. God is eternal. God is loving. And that's encouraging because we're living in a world where there's a lot of things that come along. We don't understand, but we do understand we have an awesome God. Do we not? Wow. Moses is excited about his relationship to God even though he's thinking about the brevity. God has changed us. I appreciated how uh, Bob prayed this morning and the things that he mentioned. One of the characteristics of God is that he's changeless. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, I am the Lord, I do not change. Spurgeon wrote this a number of years ago. I thought this was neat. I jotted it down. I just found it this week. Uh, Spurgeon said, We may be rich today and poor tomorrow. We may be sick today and well tomorrow. We may be joyful today and distressed tomorrow. But there is no change in our relationship to God as believers. Did you catch that? He doesn't change, and we don't change in our relationship with him. We can fail him. We can do things displeasing with him. But he's never going to set us aside. Romans chapter 8. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If he loved me yesterday, he still loves me today. I am neither better nor worse in God than I have ever been. Let hopes be blasted. Let joy be withered. Let trials come. And this is what he jotted down. Spurgeon himself. I have lost nothing of what I have in God. God is the source of my encouragement, my strength, my blessing. And yes, we've we got to be realistic. Things come along that can discourage us, can cause us to wonder. But you see, keep your hope and trust in God, who is your home. You live in him. Remember the uh, Apostle Paul said, in him we live and move and have our being. How awesome. Moving along, God is great. He also mentions because he is in absolute control over a person's life. Not only over our life, not only over our lives, but he is absolutely in control when it comes to when we pass on, when we die. There is a reference for this, and it would be good if we knew this reference. Because sometimes people will say, well, so-and-so died, and it's such a tragedy. Well, there's a sense from the human standpoint. For instance, if someone loses their life, uh, or his or her life in an automobile accident, we say, boy, that was a tragedy. And from the earthly standpoint, it is. But if a person is a believer in Christ, absent from the body is present with the Lord. And so, yes, it's hard. Uh, and sometimes we underestimate um, what people go through when they lose loved ones. We got a phone call not too long ago, someone not in this fellowship who lost a loved one, and we, we need to pray with them. We need to encourage them. 
But you know, the interesting thing is in Job chapter 14, verse 5, it says, since his days are determined and the number of months is with you. So who's in charge of life and who's in charge of death? The Lord himself. Jesus said, I have the keys of death and of Hades. And I'm in charge when it comes to life and when it comes to death. And so therefore, in light of the fact that our days are determined by the Lord, uh, the psalmist is writing this psalm to encourage us to make good use of the time that we have. We are to be good stewards of our time. That's the point. In fact, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul said, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, See then that you walk circumspectly. Now, I like that translation. Some of you like a little more modern translation, and that's okay. Uh, mine's going to be in heaven. I'm just seeing if you're listening. Any translation, I like what Dr. Kroll used to say. He, he used to say, you know what translation I like? I like the one that you'll read and use. And that's true. There are some of them that have some weakness to them. But boy, stay in the Word of God. Find one that you like and read it. Enjoy it for sure. Well, the, the New King James even says, See then that you walk circumspectly. And that, that's better translated than other more modern translations. Um, take care. Be careful of how you live your life. Be very careful. Making the most of time because the days are evil. There's a lot out there that um, we have to be very careful. We don't let it pull us down. Uh, we have to um, use our time wisely. And there are a number of verses in Scripture, and I didn't pull a lot of them out, uh, that talk about how we use our time. And uh, we, we'll go on this in just a minute, too. I want to speak to that. But uh, use, make the most of time because the days are evil. Now, you'll notice in verse 10... He says, the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they're 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it's soon cut off and we fly away. Boy, is that ever true. The average life, approximately 70 years. People do live a little longer uh, in our generation uh, because of modern technology and modern uh, medical procedures. Uh, but 70 years and maybe 80 years... And then we go to be in the presence of the Lord. Someone said this, and I, 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 this so ties in. You are always on the clock. There is no avoiding it. Every human in every place on the planet, whatever culture, is subject to the incessant, incessant rather, passing of time. The sands of time are always falling. You've seen those little time things where you have the sand in it and the sand runs down. Uh, he says the sands of time are always falling. No matter how much we neglect it, suppress it, or stress about it, there's nothing we can do to stem the onslaught of the sands of time. Ignore that fact to your own peril. Or, and here's this challenge, I like this, I, I underlined it. Walk the path of wisdom in stewarding your short and few days as gifts from God on the earth. In other words, whatever time we have, that's a gift from the Lord to each of us. And we want to be good stewards of the time we have. In fact, we're going to get to him in just a couple minutes. You'll notice that he says, verse 12, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, 
I need to be looking at the things I'm doing on any given day. Now, this is not saying we can't go to amusement parks like some people do in our fellowship and enjoy certain things and have days where we just have times of entertainment. It's not saying that. It's just saying be careful of how you use your time uh, because we are here for determined number of days. Very, very interesting. In fact, in uh, James chapter 4, the apostle says, um, our life is like a vapor, appears for a time and vanishes away. It really does pass by quickly. In fact, Jason Allen said this, time, not money, is your most precious possession. Yet many people throw away time in alarming ways. And he sat down and he recorded three ways people waste time. This is not designed to make you feel guilty. He said, first of all, there's that fiddling around on social media. Secondly, there's vegging out in front of the TV. Thirdly, there's giving huge chunks of time to just idle chatter. And he said, these are all akin to what we may call throwing away time. What I gain from this is just saying, be real careful. <laughs> be careful how you live your life. Be careful how you spend your days. Look ahead, plan, and, and, and use time wisely for the glory of the Lord. Let's go to the request just quickly at the end of the psalm. You'll notice he says, first of all, the first verb is teach us. Verse 12, I'm going to read it again. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. He's not saying consider what your age is, consider about when you will die, and do the calculation of how many days. He's not saying that. He's simply saying plan to use your days to the honor and glory of the Lord. Allow each day to be a day in which you allow the Lord to give you wisdom to live out that day. We have morning, noon, and night. Uh, morning, morning, afternoon, and night. We have three segments. We, we call it to the day, a particular day. And we, we should be saying, Lord, help me to know what you want me to do during these segments of the day. Help me to be doing your will. Your will be done, not my will, but what would you like me to do? Teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts unto wisdom. True wisdom, of course, is found in God alone. One of the most beautiful verses in the book of Proverbs is Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, where it says, The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. The Lord gives wisdom. So you have a decision to make. You have choices to make in the future. So what do we do? We go to our Lord and we say, Lord, give me wisdom. Do you really want me to do this? Now, I know I did this last year, but do you want me to do this this year? And if you go to the Lord in sincerity and say, Lord, I really do want your wisdom, he's going to give it to you. He will do it. Uh, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. And knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. Teach us to number our days, Lord. Give us wisdom. We need wisdom. The second request is verse 14 where he says, Satisfy us in the morning with your... Now, the King James text says um, mercy. And that's the Hebrew word hesed. And the better translation of that word is loyal love. So what he is saying is, here it is again, 
Verse 14, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. In other words, what he's saying is, Lord, satisfy us with your love. Help us to realize that you love us so much and you're going to watch over us and you're going to guide us in this coming year. And Lord, help us to remember that you are our home. Remember verse 1? And help us to realize that you are going to protect us and you're going to guide us. Help us, Lord, to find enjoyment in you. Now, to some people, you may be saying, I like that. I really do want to enjoy God. That's one thing I'm going to do in the coming year. I'm going to get to know him better. I'm going to study his attributes. I'm going to read his word. And, and God wants you to do that. See, the point is, and somebody said it this way. I'm going to read it. Somebody said it this way. The only thing that will secure a lifelong gladness is a heart that is satisfied with the experience of God's love. You see, there's a lot of things that don't bring us satisfaction. Sometimes people think, well, if I buy this thing, it'll bring me satisfaction. And, you know, there are things that, that they're enjoyable to have, but not total satisfaction of life. What about people? Oh, we thank the Lord. Oh, how we ever thank the Lord for the blessing that people are to us. But <clears throat> God wants us to realize that people can be a tremendous source of joy, encouragement, and satisfaction. But who gives us the most satisfaction? Our God. And that's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. Help me to remember when I wake up on Monday morning and it's really cold in Texas, but I still know you love me, Lord, and you're taking care of me. We don't like those cold, wintry, rainy mornings like we had last week, that one day. You would like to skip that day, right? Uh, I don't know. Maybe you liked it. The next verb is, um, well, the next one I want to touch on is verse 17 where he says, establish the work of our hands. Here we should be praying as we go to work each day, things we do. Lord, would you bless our work? But this is the one that people often miss. Verse 16b. I'll start reading at A, 16a. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. And uh, some people state it this way. Sanctify our children and our grandchildren. I pray, Lord, that they will see the beauty of Jesus Christ the way I see the beauty of Christ. I pray that my children, my grandchildren, will see the awesomeness of the things that you do and the things that you have done. I pray that my children will understand that the Lord's Supper is very meaningful. And it's meaningful because what we celebrate is the basis of our faith. I pray that my children will know Christ even better than I do. That's what he's saying. He's saying, Lord, sanctify my children. Let them see the glory, your glory. Help them to understand. Do we not feel that way? Don't we want those we love to really love the Lord even in a greater way than we do and understand the beauty of the Lord and not just think of Christianity as, well, it's just another religion. It's not just another religion. Christianity is a relationship with our precious and precious Lord. So we review the verbs at the end of the passage, and I hope you'll read Psalm 90 tonight before you go to bed. Teach us to number our days that we might have wisdom. 
That verse 12 is the key verse there. Lord, I need wisdom for this new year. I got decisions to make. I got things to do. Teach us. Continue, Lord, to teach us. Satisfy us with your love. Help us to remember, Lord, that you love us so much. And there's nothing we can do that will separate us from your love. And some people will say, well, you're overstating the case. We're not overstating the case. Romans chapter 8 says, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. And establish the work of our hands. Pray about your work. Pray about your job. Pray about your responsibilities. And then sanctify our children. Lord, we pray that our children will see the beauty of Christ the way we have been taught and learned to see your beauty. Let's close in prayer together.